everyone. Welcome to the Chicago Endurance Sports Training Podcast. My name is Coach Lori McGee-Cook, and I'm the head coach of Chicago Endurance Sports Running Programs. We are excited about these podcasts, as this is just one additional platform we are using to demonstrate to the running community how much we at CES love running and how much we have to offer to a wide range of athletes at all ability levels. In our program, we pride ourselves that we have one of the largest run-walk athlete communities in the Chicagoland area, along with several hundred athletes that work out with a continuous run approach. We have trained countless athletes over the past 20 years to finish their first half and full marathon or graduate to become a Boston Marathon qualifier, achieve personal bests, and provide support for individuals who just want more drive to commit to their fitness for life. What we're most ecstatic about is being a group training community that has helped catalyze lifelong friendships with people who like to run or maybe even have want to have running buddies that continue to inspire them to do things that they never thought possible. Our first few podcasts have journeyed us through talking specifics about the training plans, what the workouts are, frequently asked questions that the coaches get, and being mentally prepared. Today and through the month of July, I'll be talking you through a location journey. Basically what this is is It's a location journey traveling through the five locations where we traditionally produce training experiences. If you're in the Chicagoland area, these locations are Elmhurst, Old Town, Lincoln Square, and the South Loop. Our fifth location is what we consider our traditional virtual training program that has a lot of participants that are in the Chicagoland area, but also athletes that are all over the nation. In these segments of location journeys, we will talk you through the personalities of each location, what makes them unique, and some fun facts about the coaches that drive the location experience. In addition, we'll provide some training tips within this podcast that can always be emphasized across the entire season. For today's location journey, we are traveling to Elmhurst. As I've mentioned, I am Coach Lori McGee-Cook, and I am with Katie Brick. On these episodes, we like to start off with a little bit of a warm-up. And then we'll go into the run and we'll do a little bit of a home stretch. But today's podcast is all about talking about the different coaches and the culture and the situations that are at our training locations. I'd like to introduce lead coach Katie Brick. So first, let's talk about your running history. Sure, absolutely. I was not exactly the most athletic kid growing up. I was kind of an average tennis player, an average soccer player, and Played through high school, but was not much of a runner. When I got into college, I had more like the freshman 50 and decided I needed to do something about that. So I started running 5Ks and 10Ks. And then my first year out of college, I got hooked up with a Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's team in training, and I decided to do a marathon. So I did my first marathon, was the Chicago Marathon back in 1999. And it was really just to get in shape and have something to do and meet people that lived in City. And then it just kind of stemmed from there. I started doing Chicago Marathon every year for about 10 years. And then in the course of that, I met my husband, who's also a runner. So we started traveling to different places to do marathons. Over the course of the last 20 some years, I've banged out, I think, 45 or 46 marathons. So, so what started as a, hey, let's just get in shape, turned into a social outlet, turned into how I met my husband. And now has turned into probably one of my biggest passions and hobbies in my life. So what is your marathon PR? So my marathon PR was back a couple years ago at the uh, Naperville Marathon. I ran a 3.42.09. 
And at that point, it was enough to get me into Boston. So I have done one Boston to go along with my PR. <laughs> oh, wow. So you've been running this long, and your PR was just a couple of years ago. It was. It's actually really amazing. My very first marathon back in 1999, I ran a 4-hour and 47-minute marathon. I really, I mean, I did a training program, but I didn't really know what I was doing, and I was more out there for the social part of it. And I found after I had kids, I actually was able to get faster and faster. And I think it's because my time was so much more valuable. So yeah, so my PR was just a couple years ago. So And, and I really do think I might have one more PR left in me. So. <laughs> That's great. So then you've done all this running. Can you tell me a little bit how you got into coaching? Sure. It's actually, it's kind of an interesting story. We have been in, uh, living in Elmhurst. Now it's almost going to be gosh, 16 years, I think, in October. I had been running in Elmhurst, you know, from the very first time that we we moved out here and run on the prairie path and started making relationships with people at our local running stores, which one happened to be Fleet Feet Elmhurst. It was actually Fleet Feet Elmhurst came to me and said, hey, would you have any interest in, in doing some kind of maybe mentoring? And that's how it first got started. And I said, sure. So I, long ago, there was the No Boundaries program, which was the kind of a couch to 5K program that Fleet Feet had. So I did some mentoring with that. And then maybe a year or so after that, I got a call and heard from Mike Norman, who said, hey, we need a coach. Would you have any interest in coming out and being a coach? And it's so funny because, and this is, you're going to laugh when I even say this, but I have never, at the time, I never really thought of myself as a runner, even though I had done tons of marathons, like I never thought of myself as a runner. And then to have someone be like, hey, bring your experiences and come be a coach was, you know, it was something I had not really thought of, but I'm a teacher by trade. And it was, I thought long and hard about it and thought, you know what, I do have all these interesting experiences. I've done lots of different training programs. Let's bring that in. So that's kind of how I got into coaching. And uh, what started off as one marathon season turned into a winter warrior season, turned into a spring training season. And I think we're at six or seven years later and here I still am. So, <laughs> so it's stuck. So time does go by really fast. Really fast. What is your favorite thing about coaching since you've done six or seven seasons, or I guess years now? What could you uh, say your favorite thing is? My absolute favorite part, well, I think I have something different that's favorite for every season. I have a little something that I love about Winter Warriors, a little something about spring training, but my most favorite part about the summer fall training for the marathoners and the half marathoners is working with the first timers because there is absolutely nothing as exciting as being with someone after they've crossed the finish line for the very first time and being part of that 20 week journey that takes them from the first time they show up at Fleet Feet Elmhurst until they're standing on the start line of Chicago Marathon. It just, it makes the hair on my arms stand up just even thinking about it. Just watching them grow as a runner or a run walker, watching their confidence grow, watching their internal strength grow, their mental strength grow. It's, it's one of the most amazing things because I always tell people the hardest part is showing up that first day. Everything else will just fall into place. So it's really my favorite part is the first timers and just working with the first time marathoners. I like everybody else too, but I have a special place in my heart for the first timers. <laughs> that I, I agree. And I think there is a special journey about that. I, I absolutely agree. So today's topic is talking about the journey, but specifically the location journey. And like I said, we're traveling to Elmhurst today. 
And so you've mentioned you are the, you coach out at Elmhurst. You are the lead coach out there. You kind of navigate and make all the, all the things happen for that location. And what I think is every location has its own unique culture. So I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about Elmhurst and the feelings that are there and the, uh, the, the coaches and the pacers. So can you sort of describe the, what the Elmhurst location is and what you think, what, what do you think makes it the most unique? I feel very blessed to be able to coach out of Elmhurst. Um, it's one of the really cool things about it is because we're small, typically for a normal marathon season, we would have about a hundred participants. We're a little bit less this year just because of the virtual, but because we are a smaller group, everybody gets to know everyone. The, we might have a red 830 runner who becomes great friends with a purple 13 minute miler. And it's just because we're small and everything, one kind of melds together. We um, try to plan. We have a few breakfasts in normal times. We would have a few breakfasts during the season. We might do some at some happy hours. And everybody is really vested, not only in their running, but they're really vested in building relationships with the other people that are around them. And yes, they'll build relationships with people in their pace group, but it becomes so much more than that. It just becomes about... This is, it's a second family. CES Elmhurst really is, is a second family for a lot of these people. And, um, one of the things that I love about it is we've got runners going from 22 years old to 70 years old. And when everybody comes in, everybody's on a level playing ground and, and we're, we're all there for each other. So it just, it makes it a really interesting place to coach. Just the, the community feel is absolutely amazing. Just going along with that, with the participants, I, we have that same feel with our coaches. We have a much smaller coaching staff this season doing this program virtually, but typically we would have coach Jim White, who is one of the assistants. He has, was originally a participant and then became a pacer and has now become a coach. We've got Zach Sawyer, same thing, started as a participant, was a pacer, became a coach. Debbie Sarney, one of our other coaches, Sherry Wagner. And it's just so, it's so interesting. Like it's, nobody leaves. Everybody wants to stay. And, you know, we have a huge alumni that, that comes back and it's just really neat to see. This is, it's much more than a running group. It is definitely a community and a running family. I would agree. I, I, our coaches, and I mean, this is across locations, but specifically Elmhurst as well. There's a lot of longevity with the coaching staff, which I think it, every season they keep making tighter and tighter connections with participants, and which keeps the participants wanting to come back to that culture, as you mentioned. So I always want to mention how, you know, if you're new to CES and listening to this, why this location is very different than the other locations. So we have Three other locations in the city, one is in Lincoln Square, one is in Old Town, and one is in the South Loop. Specifically, I'm the lead coach out of Old Town, and I I can say is what's very different about our location compared to Elmhurst is we have three to four times as many participants than Elmhurst does. Because of that and because of the size of our location, we have to sort of split up the groups into different start times, and we have to kind of wave the start of the participants, especially in the summer when we're actually together. And so we don't get to have necessarily those close connections across the different ability levels, but the pace groups in themselves become very tight. You know what we should talk about is what's the difference between being a pacer and what's the difference between being a coach and the expectations in between and how do they sort of collaborate together to make the program super successful at Elmhurst? Sure. Well, 
I'll speak to this in two ways. We'll talk about if we were in normal non-COVID times and then what this is going to look like during our virtual times. So Perfect. If we were in normal times, the Pacers really are kind of, they're kind of the go-to for the participants. That's their check-in person every Saturday when they would come in for our long runs. Uh, you know your Pacer is your person you're going to look for. If you've got a 16-mile run, you're going to be spending that full 16 miles with your Pacer. So you're Pacer is going to be helpful to, you know, teaching you things about hydration and nutrition. And it's going to be from their own experiences. They're going to be able to talk about what works for them and what hasn't worked for them. They're going to be able to keep the conversation going. If you're having a tough day, they're going to be able to help you out and hopefully get you back to the where you started from at the, <laughs> at the end of the run. But the, the difference between, I think, the Pacer and the coaches is not only do, you know, the coaches have their own experiences, but the coaches bring a little bit more expertise in those specific areas. We bring a little bit more expertise with the specific things like like hydration, like nutrition. The coaches bring a little bit more in with, you know, what should we be doing for stretching? What do the speed workouts look like? What are these training plans? What does everything mean in here? So I think our coaches are a little bit more with the technical part of things and our pacers are a little bit more about keeping you where you need to be on your Saturday runs and then providing from their own experiences. And and together, the two of us, the Pacers and the coaches really work together as a team to make sure that our participants are covered in every which way possible. So in virtual times, this is going to look a little bit different. Obviously, there's not going to be, someone is not going to be uh, standing next to you telling you that, yeah, you've got it. Good job with that 11 minute pace. Our virtual Pacers are actually going to be virtual partners, and their big job this season is going to be as an accountability buddy. Are you getting out for your weekday runs? They're going to be motivators. They're going to be posting about what kind of things they, what their workouts have been like. What did their Saturday run look like? They are going to be doing some check-ins since they're not going to be able to see participants on Saturdays. They're going to be doing some check-ins, maybe via Zoom call to kind of talk about the things that you might talk about on a run, you know, like what are your experiences with different types of gels and chews and all of that? What works for your stomach? What doesn't? They'll be talking about, you know, what what should I be doing the morning before an 18 mile run? So, so they'll be doing a lot of the same things that they would be out on our path, but it's going to be in a virtual delivery. Yeah. So speaking of the, of the path, Right now, what so for right now, what is your path situation like? So Elmhurst has been very fortunate. We have not had any of the closures um, like what the city has had. So we have been very, very lucky. And I was really nervous at the beginning of all this because suddenly the Prairie Path in Elmhurst, it looked like a parade on most days. You would go outside and there would be people everywhere on it. But um, we've been fortunate and the path has stayed open, which is no different than normal times. Uh, most of our participants during spring training, and they're going to be able to do this during summer and fall as well, they're going to be able to do a lot of the same routes that we typically would. We have we would run out to Hillside if we were running east. If we're running west, we might go out as far as Lombard or Glen Ellen. And then the streets in Elmhurst are always a nice, safe option. From the Fleet Feet Elmhurst location, we have a four-mile loop that um, during normal times we would use if we had severe weather that was 
incoming that we were worried about, that's still available and open. And it, it's really fun for me to go on Strava. I did this a lot during spring training. I would get to look and see what people's routes were. And it's really fun because people were doing the same routes that we would typically do as a whole group, but they were just doing them on their own. They were doing the four mile loop around central Elmhurst, or they were running down and hitting a path that we might do on the prairie paths. We've been really fortunate. Not a lot of changes in terms of that, except for we're by ourselves. That's the biggest thing. Is there, so you said there's a four mile loop that is sort of known. Is there a place to find where that four mile loop is? Or So we don't have it posted, but this was one of the things that I had actually just started talking with our VPs about and our coaches about is um, taking advantage of some of the features on Strava so that we can have those routes made available to everybody. And that'll be something that we'll be able to be putting in our emails that will be coming from me to our Elmhurst participants, and then also on Facebook as well. So, and and we were talking about that we're going to make routes available, but you still have to social distance and do all those things when you're out there on them. But I'd say in the the four mile loop is awesome because we do have a, even though we're a very, Elmhurst is very community-based and we have a lot of people from Elmhurst. We have tons of people coming from other locations. We've got runners coming from Oswego, Sleepy Hollow, St. Charles, Oak Lawn, Naperville. People are driving all in, all over to come into Elmhurst. The one really nice thing is there's parking by everything. So if people wanted to come in and do the four-mile loop, there's parking right across the street from Fleet Feet Elmhurst. If people wanted to drive into the Prairie Path, there's street parking and parking lots available there too. So even if you're not from Elmhurst, you can totally take advantage of the routes that we'll be setting up from in our town. That's great. So there's a lot of really good resources there. And parking's always the number one thing in the city that people always ask about. So it's good to hear uh, that the parking availability is there. I think people would ask about about that. So the other thing is a little bit different. And what I really liked about the community you guys have put together, in a typical non-COVID time in the summer, uh, the lakefront path would have these kind of sponsored, set up aid stations all over the path that everybody could use. What do you guys do in Elmhurst when there's not the fancy smanchy aid stations, but what would you guys typically do? In normal times, we're very fortunate because we have lots of drinking fountains, but what we would also do is the coaches would take turns and we would drop off coolers at some predetermined locations that, that everybody would know about, the pacers, coaches, all the participants, with Gatorade, water, all of those things. And then the other thing we, we do is when we get to our 16 and our 18 mile runs, we have set up tables outside of Fleet Elmhurst and made sure that that is included back into the route. And then we've also had participants from our 5K and 10K program have actually come out and manned water stations for us before, which has been awesome. So we've actually had some tables set up and be able to, to provide our own water stations, which is, is really fun. And it's really fun for um, our half marathoners and our marathon participants to see other folks that they might know from other programs. So so we have made the decision that we're going to do some some things a little bit similar. One of the things that we did during spring training was we had a table set up in front of uh, Coach Jim White's house because he only lives a quarter mile off the path. And when we got to longer runs for that, we had bottles of water and bottles of Gatorade. So we kept everything clean and safe. And that's kind of going to be our plan for a marathon and for half marathon training. If we've got, when we get into those bigger distances, I've been putting together a list of folks that live uh, right off the path and we're going to have some tables set up and you'll have the addresses of people's houses and you can run by and grab a bottle of water or a Gatorade. So 
we're going to do our best to take care of everybody, even though the season's going to look a little bit different. Yeah, and I, I don't see the water fountains necessarily being turned on or that as a resource as people. Nope. I haven't thought about that quite yet. However, this is a point we make as coaches. Uh, we always encourage people having their own hydration system. And if somebody's listening to this is new to running, it's one of the first homework assignments that we give people um, in the beginning of training is making sure that you have your own water bottle. You know, that can come in two different forms. That can come into like a hydration belt, which that'll have two different bottles on there. That way you can get a good balance of water and an electrolyte drink, such as Gatorade. Or there's handheld devices as well that people can get. And we have Amphipod as a training partner, and they have a lot of really good hydration pieces that we encourage participants to check out. And then one of the biggest advantages that we have when we talk about location-specific training um, even though we're not getting together now, is that each location has a Fleet Feet store that we're training out of. That's where the, the name comes in. And those people at Fleet Feet, the staff there can help also guide participants to getting those hydration pieces for them too. So they have all these gear up pieces that we want people to get to get at the very beginning of the season. And right now, Elmhurst store is open, correct? It is. Yeah, it is definitely open. I was just by there the other day and uh, they're taking all the safety precautions. But yeah, it's it's definitely open. And um, that's actually one of the things that we have already started talking to our participants about in terms of that hydration is a lot of us think that you only need to worry about the, um, you know, your handheld or if you have your waste system on long runs. And one of the things I, so I talked to uh, the city of Lombard and the city of Elmhurst, and no drinking fountains are going to be turned on at all this season. We do have some porta potties out on the uh, prairie path there, but there will be absolutely no drinking fountains on this season. So one of the things that encouraged our spring training participants, and we're going to be talking to our um, summer fall participants about this too, is get in the habit of carrying water with you on every run. Don't think it's just something for your long runs on the weekends. You need to bring it even for those shorter distances during the week. You need to bring it for your speed work. If you're doing a tempo run, a hill work, whatever it is. Don't think just because you're going out for five or six miles that you don't need it. It is just as important on those Saturday runs. And I think that's that's a hard one. Even for me, that has been a hard one to get in the habit of because I would never carry it during the week. I would rely on the drinking fountain. But now that's gone. So definitely hydration system, get it. And your pro tip for the day, use it every day. <laughs> that's that's great. Well, this is a lot of really good information. Thank you for talking about the, the Elmhurst location specifically and about the, the training uh, staff that you have and the participants. As you know, we're going to kind of bring this back together. And as a home stretch, I think we should talk about some things that you and I are looking forward to this week. And for me, it's what I've, I've been looking forward to and what is happening is we have kind of rolled out our program. Everybody should have their training schedule now. And I'm kind of getting those, you know, after the people have completed their first few runs, getting those really good training questions in there. And we've been having a lot of fun just kind of producing some of these materials, just talking about the locations and talking about what people's questions are. But for you, I really want to talk about what you're looking forward to this week. Cause I think you have a very unique week that's a little bit different than the, than the rest of us. That might be yeah. So while all of you guys are kicking off your marathon training, I am actually in my second and final week of taper. I was supposed to be traveling, not this weekend, but the following weekend, the weekend of June 20th. I was supposed to be traveling to Duluth, my uh, 15-year-old son, Peyton, and we were going to be doing a mother-son trip as part of the grandma's marathon weekend. And I was going to be running the marathon and my son was going to be running his first half marathon. So 
that was unfortunately canceled. So our mother-son trip was canceled. But uh, my son and I made the decision that we weren't going to cancel the running because we know running hasn't been canceled. So I was about halfway through the uh, training when Grandma's was canceled. So I continued with it. And on Saturday morning, I will be running the very first virtual marathon that I have ever done over the course of the 40 plus races that I've done. And then Peyton's going to be running his half marathon. He's going to be doing that on Sunday. So I'm pretty excited about this. I created a course that's going to take me through South Elmhurst, North Elmhurst. I'm going to run west all the way out to Glen Ellen, run up to Berkeley, and then I'll finish back at my house. So I think it it should be a lot of fun. I've gotten a lot of encouragement and support from our CES family here in Elmhurst. There's a bunch of people that are actually going to come out and help to support me on my virtual course. So I'm hoping that I can get a lot of good things come of this. So I'll be able to provide a lot of good advice. Um, so if we have people that end up having to do virtual races later in the season, hopefully I'll be a good go-to person to how to handle all this. <laughs> so, but yeah, I'm pretty excited. I think it'll be fun. It's going to be a very different marathon experience. And yeah, I don't know. We'll see how it all goes on Saturday. Well, that's awesome. I really wish you the best of luck. And I love how you have, again, your communities coming together with you and cheering you on. So we look forward to hearing how you did. And we look forward to the tips and tricks of running a virtual race after you're done. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. We don't actually get to, before we didn't see each other that often, but now (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to see you again in person. Agreed. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening to our Chicago Endurance Sports Training Podcast. This podcast was actually recorded on June 10th. We are proud to report that since then, Coach Katie has completed her full virtual marathon. Coach Katie finished her 47th marathon in just under 4 hours and 10 minutes. Her son the next day completed his half marathon in 1 hour and 28 minutes, which is an incredible time. The support Coach Katie received from the Elmhurst following and the community in Elmhurst wowed not only her, but myself. It really demonstrated that our CES community shows up for each other in so many ways. She kept a positive attitude and most importantly, an adaptable approach to go with the flow on how a virtual race might turn out. We look forward to Coach Katie giving us some tips on how to do a virtual race, and I will hold her accountable and talk to her later this season in another podcast. So she can give us some tips if people are looking at doing virtual goal races in the fall. What she really did is she kept a positive attitude and had to be just flexible with what needed to happen. And I think that's what everybody in the program actually just needs to do as we kind of go throughout the season and go throughout our training. Therefore, as words of wisdom, for those of you biting at your nails, trying to know if your race is going to be canceled or even if it already was, There are several opportunities to create a different type of finish line. No matter what happens, we, the CES group training, can help you define what that finish line can be, and we will be here to cheer you on all the way through the season. If you've listened to our podcast before, you might have heard about the ant farm analogies. Now, if you don't know what they are, to get this, you need to go back and listen to some of our other podcasts, especially with Coach Cynthia. So with that, then understand Let's think of all of us as ants, and ants are all referred to as a superorganism. Ants make little farms, but they all have specialized parts of that farm. So think about that as our group training. The individualized ant has a specialized goal, but the ant acts as, ants act together as a common good. Insects in a colony 
work to migrate and they sense kind of their own environment, but they also help each other make collective decisions on what to do next in the journey. Again, this one's for Coach Cynthia, the lead coach at Lincoln Square, and that will be our next location journey. Thank you for listening to the first installment of the CES Location Journeys. Until next time, just remember, the more you smile, the more comfortable the miles.